Hello and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Cynthia Mendez Tamayo, and Cynthia is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's trained in maternal mental health, EMDR, and human design. What Cynthia noticed with her practice was that during COVID, more and more moms were coming in and really struggling with postpartum depression and suicidal ideation. Actually, one in eight women struggle with postpartum depression. She started digging deeper and looking at the insights from her clients, her own family history, her education, and she realized that post-feminist movement, women were going out to the workforce, they were contributing to the workforce, they were contributing to the financial needs of the family, but then they were coming home and they had all the same household duties that they did before. And this worked in the old paradigm, but that does not work in the new paradigm. So she created a four-pillar approach to thriving families. How can we thrive in this environment so that everyone in their family is getting their needs met? The first pillar is about the well-being of the mom. What are her wants, her desires, her wishes, her dreams? And maybe that does mean putting it on hold a little while while her children are little, but what is it that she wants? Or maybe the other partner wants to kind of step up a little bit. The next is about the partnership really clear and solid communication between all the partners and the people within the family. Then home logistics. Let's see how everything's divided up. Do we need to bring in outside help? Is this working for us? What can we take off of my plate? What can we put on your plate? Not that it has to be all fair and equitable, but that it feels good for everyone that's involved. And then the last is parenting. How do we parent in a way that the child's getting their needs met, the parents are getting theirs met, and it's teamwork and it's collaborative. So she talks about this new model and how it can work and how families can absolutely thrive. So I hope you will enjoy today's episode. If you do, please give it a like and a subscribe. And I thank you so much for being here today. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hello. Good morning, Cynthia. I'm so happy to have you with me today on the Connected Community Podcast. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you for having me. So you have a master's in family therapy. I know you're trained with trauma with EMDR, and then you do some energy work in human design. And I was reading that um, your wish is to redefine the family system in a way that supports each member of the family with the understanding that the mother is the portal to the wellness of the whole. So I'd love for you to share what that means to you. Yes. So as a marriage and family therapist, my perspective is always from a systems perspective. So looking at how the individual impacts the whole and how the whole is impacted by the individual. And through my work with families and couples and then transitioning to particularly moms, I've realized that, and this really came to light during the pandemic when a lot of the moms were thrown into the madness of being at home and really focusing on trying to manage all the things in a very uh, almost like exaggerated way because it was already happening I, in, on many levels pre-pandemic, but I think it just kind of like brought it more to light um, and recognizing that moms were really struggling with managing all the things and, and how 
this is impacting other aspects of the family systems. They realize that part of what is going on is that if moms are struggling, and there's research that supports this, if moms are struggling, it tends to trickle down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which then kind of leaves everybody in this sink or swim situation. There's a sense of like always treading water and trying to survive and no one is thriving. Mm-hmm. So as mom started to come to me for therapy and I realized a few things, one postpartum depression. So I am trained in maternal mental health and taking a closer look at postpartum depression and recognizing that according to the CDC, one in eight women experience symptoms of postpartum depression. That's mm-hmm. a lot. And, and then I looked further and realized that if mom has postpartum depression, dad is more likely to have postpartum depression too, which yes, dads do get postpartum depression. And then if both parents are experiencing depression, it would make sense, right? That the child is feeling the Mm. impacts of that. Right. So as I started working with moms, the other thing that I realized was that suicidal ideation was happening a lot. They were having Mm. a lot of suicidal thoughts. They're just not talking about it for understandable reasons, right? Fear of their kids being taken away from them, Um, fear of being shamed and not supported or marginalized. Mm -hmm. So in these therapy sessions where people are more likely to open up and talk, I recognized that this was happening a lot and people were not being supported. So I recognized that post-feminist movements, right, where women were offered many beautiful opportunities that we didn't have before, um, shifted the way that we show up in society. Now moms are able to go out and pursue their passions. They're able to get jobs. They're able to contribute to the family from a financial standpoint. They're able to pursue their their dreams, all these things, which is all wonderful, but Mm -hmm. nothing has shifted within the home, right? So what we're seeing is that moms are doing that and still all of this Mm -hmm. within the home Running the home, running the right. running the kids, getting the groceries. Right. Yes, all the home duties right. and chores. All the and- home duties that in our old paradigm made sense, right? In the paradigm that moms manage the household and the kids and mm-hmm. dad goes out and brings home the bacon, right? Like mm-hmm. that system, that dynamic made sense. There was a, a true like division of responsibility Right. And everybody kind of knew what they were doing and carried on their task, and whether they enjoyed it or not, or wanted to do it or not is a whole other conversation. But mm-hmm. it was clear who was doing what and how it was playing out. And then once women entered the workforce, that shifted mm-hmm. in society, but it didn't shift within the home. Yeah. Right. I have a six-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. And my husband and I have been together for 20 years. So we were together for a long time before we had kids, right? So Mm -hmm. I was able to see the contrast of like the before and after because before Mm -hmm. it wasn't wasn't that much of a stressor. Like we came home, we did our thing, we both worked. Once we had kids and I recognized that there were so many more things that needed to be done and managed. Yes. And that a lot of it was falling on me and that I was seeing that with a lot of my clients as well. And even in situations where the husbands really want to participate and help and contribute because Mm -hmm. they see that their wives are overwhelmed and stressed out, they don't know how to because it Mm -hmm. hasn't been modeled to them, right? Nobody's Mm -hmm. shown them 
this is how you help and contribute because we're still following the old model. Yes. Yes. I mean, that makes me think of uh, when I was growing up, my mom went back to school. She got two master's degrees. She was working. She was, she was doing everything. And then they were in that very traditional model where my dad mowed the lawn, took out the trash, did like the manly things, fixed the things in the house. And, um, and that was definitely modeled in my family. And, uh, and also I'd say my husband's family as well. I mean, it has shifted since then, but you're saying yeah. it hasn't shifted enough. Right. And, and to be fair, I would say that that model may work for some families. So mm-hmm. when I really started contemplating and sitting with it, it wasn't really about creating a new model that is going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. It was more about sitting with individual families and guiding them as they create a model that works for them, yeah. right? Which looks different for every family because every family has a different situation going on in terms of who's doing what, you know, who's working, how much are they working, who's managing the kids, who enjoys doing what part of what. Mm. I mean, we even hear things like I, I have a friend of mine who, when her household, her husband is the one that takes on the responsibility of cooking dinner every night. Mm-hmm. And her mom said to her one day, you really should start cooking dinner more often. Like, it's not correct for him to be cooking dinner every mm-hmm. night. Like, kind of like this idea of you're going to lose a good man if you're yeah. not coming home and cooking for him every night. Mm-hmm. And and the mom, it was probably coming from a well-meaning, good-intentioned place based on an old paradigm. Um, but the reality is that if he enjoys cooking dinner every night and she does not enjoy it, why are we forcing these responsibilities and these roles on one person as opposed to the other, when what would really make sense is for the the, the couple to be having discussions about this and deciding who's going to do what in a way that feels equitable and that is supportive of the whole. Because as a mom, I want everybody in my system, my husband and my two children, I want them all to thrive, right? As as much as I want to thrive. The thing with moms is that we're often taught that we put ourselves last and allow everybody else to thrive. But that there's tons of anecdotal examples and actual research to support that that way of thinking actually does not work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always had this thought that um, because I'm a mom and I have a nine-year-old too, um, that it's really hard to balance, um, as a female, your work and your family and your child and yourself. Yes. And there's always something that kind of comes in last. And as moms, I think we always tend to put ourselves in last, like you're saying. Um, and that's definitely not the, the thing that's going to make everyone in the family thrive. You're right. And I, and I realize, like when I'm down, my kid's down. And when Absolutely. I'm down, my husband's down. And it was just a couple of days ago, he was talking um, to me and he was like, you're the glue that pulls the family together. And I am. Um, it, it's kind of like that saying when, you know, when, when the mom's happy, everyone's happy in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is true. And, and, and then speaking to that, it's surprising that we put such little attention as moms into prioritizing that or, or even understanding that the best way for us to support our family is for us to be doing well. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then it creates like a trickle down effect to everybody else. Yeah. And it also, I think would take, you know, a, a partnership where 
people are both invested in making something work. Like if one partner is invested in trying to make the system work and the other one's not, then where do you go? Right. So when I talk about using moms as a portal, what I'm referring to is using moms as like the entryway or the catalyst, but there has to be like onboarding by everybody else, even the children, right? Everybody plays a role and everybody has to pull their weight. And this isn't about mom kind of, because I want to be very careful not to, when I say that, like I'm using mom as the entryway, that, that it doesn't mean that all the burden of the family's ability to thrive falls on mom, right? It just means that by mom allowing herself to become like to heal and be healthy and take care of herself, that then she can bring in the other players to make sure that we're all kind of on board and doing the thing. So yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If if a partner's not on board, then, um, then it certainly is not, they're not going to thrive. But I think if mom is doing well and she's able to work towards bringing in her partner and she can't, then that's information in and of itself for mom and the family, right? Even if the outcome is not what we would ideally want, the reality is that if that doesn't happen, ultimately someone's going to pay the price within the system, right? Um, So if, if the partner's resistant and absolutely does not want to get on board, then mom can make a decision based on, on that information. I like how you use the word thrive, right? Because we can be doing okay, we can kind of be getting by, we can survive, or we can thrive and things can go from good to great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's also like moving from something that's maybe stagnant to something that's really working for everybody. So I really like that. Yeah. 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 Survival is not the place where we want to be living, mm-hmm. right? It's It's draining on us on many levels, emotionally, mentally physically, right? A lot of illness comes from that too. Our bodies cannot be under constant fear and 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 that adrenaline that goes into that process of trying to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're, it's going to break down. Mm-hmm. I do think though, I, at least for me and our relationship, the first three months after my little boy was born, that was just survival for all of us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I I do think we go through periods where survival is kind of like just the the defaults, but the goal is that it not be the long-term norm that you, if you go through periods of survival, that you know that it is a season. Like if you think about your experience now with your nine-year-old, it's not the same experience you had with Mm -hmm. a newborn at home. Um, So if we can hold space for that and understand that, Right now, it feels like we're just trying to keep our head above water and, yeah. and and we're discussing this with our partner and we understand that this is temporary, then we can hold that energy until we get to the other side of it. Yeah. But there has to be the hope that we're going to get to the other side and there has to be a plan and something we're working towards to get to the other mm-hmm. side, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe getting to the other side is just, it'll happen when baby's sleeping through the night, but maybe it also means creating other um, structures or parameters around ourselves and our system, bringing mm-hmm. in resources, um, you know, changing uh, behavior or thought patterns to get us to the other side, mm-hmm. right? 
I like that too, because there's sometimes where, um, and I, luckily my husband, and I have this really good balancing act. Like when one of us is down, the other one steps up. Yeah. Um, but there are things that happen in life. If there's a death in a family or there's something that happens with work and one partner just goes down. Yeah. Um, and there is, that is that importance that the other one needs to step up and just realize that it's temporary. It's yeah. going to, you're going to move through it. And then there's going to be that equilibrium again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not being so stuck in our systems too. Right. Yeah, there has to absolutely be flexibility. And we constantly have to be checking in with the system to see if what we're doing is still working, because it's going to change, it should be changing over time. If you're trying to implement the same um, methods that you were implementing before you had kids, or when your children were very young, so when you have teenagers, you're probably going to hit some pretty big obstacles, which are going to lead to like frustration. And again, the breakdown of the system. So we should be checking in every once in a while, like taking a step back, taking a step back and be like, okay, is what we're doing still working and serving everybody in the home? And if it's not, then where do we need to make adjustments? Mm -hmm. What is going to be our new strategy, right? How do we come up with a new way of moving through this space that is supportive of all of us and making sure that nobody is falling through the cracks. So I really, really thought that this perspective of addressing the whole system is the best way to ensure that everybody's healthy mm-hmm. um, because we don't exist in a vacuum, right? We, we, we live in systems. And everything that you're saying requires lots of really good, clear, concise communication. Yeah. Um, and some people I find have a really hard time with communicating or sharing their needs or even figuring out what their needs are. So how do you work around that? I've created a a coaching model called the Thriving Families Coaching Model. And this coaching model has four pillars. And the four pillars are the first one being the well-being of the mother, right? And through this program, I will be working specifically with moms to help them really become grounded in who they are, right? Who they are authentically. What is it that they want to contribute to the world? What is it that they want to contribute to their family? What do they want their family system to look like? What are their values, right? Because I feel like if moms can get very clear on that Mm -hmm. and they can have a a very concise understanding of where they're at, right? Because where most moms are coming from right now is I just need to be mom and serve everybody else. And I ask my clients, like, who are Mm -hmm. you? And they'll say mom. And I'm like, okay, well, mom is one of your roles, right? It's one of the the hats that you wear. Mm -hmm. But who are you? I'm just mom. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. One, I don't think they give themselves permission to explore anything else other than being mom. Because we're made to believe that once we become a mother, that is our whole identity, Mm -hmm. right? And two... They've probably never been given or created the space to really sit down and contemplate this, right? I don't think that they're not being truthful when they say that they don't know. I think they really don't know, right? Because they probably have not really contemplated who they are and what they want to do and how they want to do it. Mm -hmm. So my first step is to bring moms into this program and we will address various parts of mom, right? Mm -hmm. Identity. Um, taking them through a ritualistic process of going from maiden to motherhood, which I think we don't address in our mm-hmm. society, particularly. I think there are other yeah. societies that still have rituals around that. But 
we don't address it here. And, and, you know, a baby is born and we all focus on this beautiful little human that just entered the world. And mom is never, it's never acknowledged that, that everything has shifted for this woman, right? She went from mm-hmm. being a, a maiden, from being a woman and, and having all these maybe hopes, dreams, desires, all these things. And now all of a sudden she's a mother. She herself birthed a new identity. Yeah. And, and then you get thrown into the survival part, right? The chaos of caring for this baby. And there's never a pause to be like, okay, so what does this mean? What does it mean that I'm no longer a maiden and I'm now a mom and, and, and who and how do I want to show up? Right. Mm -hmm. I actually spend a lot of time going through that rebirth process like kind of a reset so actually the process of them releasing the parts of them their former identity that they no longer want need and no longer serve them right or things that we're trying to hold on to that no longer serve us from our former identity and then reclaiming the parts of ourselves that we thought we had to give Mm -hmm. up once we became a mom but recognize that they are so deeply a part of who we are that there was suffering and wounding and feeling like we had to give up that Mm -hmm. part of us So having them reclaim that and then kind of merging these together and birthing this new identity of who I am as a woman Mm -hmm. and a mom. Um, And then, and then there's uh, four Mm -hmm. other modules that they will go through and we'll talk about self. Well, let's stop there just for a second, because I think that that um, when our kids are young and, and I feel like we're just giving, giving milk, giving time, giving attention, waking up, changing diapers, like you're just give, 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 give. And there is a loss of identity because um, there's no time for the, for mm-hmm. the mom to, 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 to be just to be. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for me now, when my kid's nine is coming out of that and becoming more independent slowly every year, as my kids gotten older, I'm able to like reclaim a piece of myself that I like let go of yeah. and kind of figuring back out who I am. But I think like, if you have three small children and you're running around and, and, uh, it, it is very hard to, to, see outside of the role of mom because 95% of your day you're cooking, cleaning, changing diapers, doing bottles, doing laundry. Um, and, and you don't really even get those moments. So what is your advice for those moms that have three kids under the age of four that are just trying to like breathe? So in the other modules, we talk about like, what are your intentions behind parenting? Like, how do you want to show up as a parent? Do you want to work? Like, do you have this great purpose that you want to fulfill. So for example, for me, my daughter, like one day we were having like a family conversation and we were like talking, I think it was one of the times that like the lottery was like really high. And we were talking about like, what would happen if we won the lottery kind of conversation? My daughter Mm -hmm. says, mommy, if we won the lottery, would you stop working? And I looked at her and I'm like, no, she's like, you wouldn't stop working. And I said, no, I love my work. My work is a big part of my identity and who I am and my purpose and my passion. And and I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Um, So it, in my situation, giving up work is not an option. Right. So I know that I have to create a family dynamic that allows there to be space for that. Right. So that means that then I have to go through communication with my husband about what that would look like so that I can make space for both of those things. 
do we have to bring out outside resources? And what does that look like, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do we have the means and do we need to start looking for somebody to help with childcare? Mm-hmm. Do we have family members or friends that can step in and support us, right? So I, what I would encourage the mom to do and the family to do is to take a step back and be like, okay, once the mom is clear on what she desires, right? That's step one. Once you're clear on what you desire, now you have to move into the space of like, how do we make this happen? How do we make this happen in a way that again, is supportive of everybody within the system, right? Because mm-hmm. I could very easily say, well, I'm going to go pursue my career and spend all this time doing this thing because I know that it is my purpose and my passion and all of that and neglect my family. But I also believe that it is my purpose to intentionally raise my children. And it's something I desire to do. Mm-hmm. So I have to create a plan to allow me the best I can, right? To manage all of these things. Is it always going to be perfect? No. Mm -hmm. Are there times that we're going to have to do it in a way that, that doesn't feel great? And I'll give an example of that. I had a client once tell me a few years ago, he was like, um, you really should be like speaking and doing more work. And my kids were, I mean, my kids are still young, but they were very young at that time, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you know, three years old or, and, and I stopped, I, I looked at him and I said, I hear you, but now is not the time. Sometimes we have to be okay with that too. Right. And understanding that we don't have to fulfill all of our dreams and goals all at once. Sometimes we have to look at the season that we're in mm-hmm. and yeah. plan according to the season that we're in, right? When my kids were little, little, it was very important for me to be more present, which is actually how and why I ended up going into private practice. Because at the time, I was working for a community agency, I was leaving at seven o'clock in the morning, I was coming home at seven o'clock at night, my mom was sick, my had a two year old, I was still, she was younger than two, because I was still nursing her, because I would pump on the way to work, and on the way home from work. And it was a nightmare. And I Uh realized that it wasn't sustainable because what was happening during that time is that everything was breaking down. I was having issues in my marriage. I was depressed. All these things were happening because I, I, I hadn't recognized when I was in it. Cause that's the thing that sometimes when we're in the middle of it, like really deep in it, we don't see that there are other options and other ways of doing things that, mm-hmm. that we may not have considered, but would, make things easier, right? So at that time, I recognized, okay, I need to take a step back. And I need to do something different, which was then when I started transitioning and created a plan, because I didn't actually transition into private practice from one day to the next, I did it in a in a gradual process. Mm -hmm. But I created the plan. And I knew that there was an end goal in mind, right? So what I would say to, to back to your question, what I would say to those moms that are managing all the things is that once you know what it is that you want, sit down with your partner, Look at the big picture Mm -hmm. and figure out what are the things that can be adjusted or maneuvered to create space and to bring in support, right? Because that's another thing. As moms, we're taught um, that we should be able to do it all and that we shouldn't be asking for help. And, And then sometimes we do ask for help and the help doesn't show up in the way that we imagined. So then that makes us believe that it, that, that there is no help or support. And instead of exploring Mm -hmm. like, okay, that one didn't work. 
but it doesn't mean that I can't get support. It just means I, I may have to look at it in a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the first pillar is wellness, um, well-being of the mother. And then the second one. The second one is the partnership. So this is where we get into teaching, communication, working on the foundations of the relationship. So a lot of times, even when people have been together for a really long time, it's really bringing them back to the foundational work within a relationship. And one of Mm -hmm. the main things that is always a barrier, and I've been doing couples therapy for a while, is the breakdown in communication, Mm -hmm. the not knowing how to um, or not doing it in a, in an effective way. And also, mm-hmm. again, when we get into the busyness of life, it's also creating the space to have those conversations. Because yeah. m- my husband and I experience that all the time, right? Where we'll notice that something's off, like either with us or with the kids or, and we just can't find the right moment to stop and be like, okay, let's talk about this and figure it out, right? So yeah. One is even recognizing that there needs to be a conversation around this. And then the second part is intentionally creating the space to have those conversations in a way that is going to be um, helpful and supportive and not Mm -hmm. going to end in like a blowout argument that creates no resolution. Um, So in the partnership and ideally... I would like to, I had somebody make the suggestion to me a while back and I was like, okay, I'm putting it on my shelf of things to do of creating a premarital course or workshop. Cause there are a lot of them out there, but most of them are faith-based, which, mm. which are great. But I think it sometimes deters people that are not of the faith to, to yeah. go into those courses and really get the helpful tips that they may get. Um, so it's really having, I would love to get to a place where Couples are having these conversations. Like I love when I have a couple that has not been married, that is not married yet, but in the process of of getting married, come to me and say like, we're getting married. We're going to start living together. We're eventually going to have kids. And we want to like take a moment to talk about what that's going to look like, what our roles within the family are going to look like, Mm -hmm. what our hopes and dreams are, what are the things that we don't want to give up once we have a family um, and really have these conversations and what are our values, right? Like what yeah. are the values we want to pass on to our children? And yeah, I think it's so, so important to discuss the value systems before, before even getting married. Yeah. Um, like, and I'm surprised how many people don't do that yeah. or they end up in a relationship and they're like, Oh, my so-and-so didn't want children. Um, and I'm like, how did you not talk about that ahead of time? Yeah. Um, but I think, that openness and that transparency is so important in any kind of relationship if it's going to work. Absolutely. So in that second pillar, there'll be a lot of focus just on strengthening the partnership, supporting one another, understanding what the goals are for each one, like what they, what they desire for themselves, what they desire for the family and really creating like a consensus and like stability around that, which is going to come from deep communication, reflection, contemplation, compromise. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, this is an area where I do bring in the human design, right? Because for my husband and I, when I learned what our energy types were in human design, it allowed me to see him in a different light. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I'm a generator, he's a projector. um, And it really allowed me to understand not only things that were interesting about our relationship prior to having kids, but it also allowed me to understand 
how he could show up as a parent within our family dynamic, right? Because he requires a lot, his energy type requires mm-hmm. a lot more rust than mine does. So yeah. I remember at one point before I knew about human design, he would tell me, I just, I can't do all the things that you do. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the energy. And it's not, and it wasn't like a self-worth thing. It wasn't like a, I'm not capable of doing it, or I don't know how to do it. It, it was, it was coming from a place of I'm feeling burnt out. Right. Which it would make sense that he would burn out much faster than I would. Right. Yeah. So in knowing that it allowed us to create a structure, allowed me to be more mindful about creating a structure that allowed him to have more rest and not feeling resentful when yeah. he was taking that rest. Right. Understanding that that rest was actually going to be beneficial to me if I gave him space to have it, then to keep pushing or feel upset that I'm doing all the things and he's resting at that moment, because I know that now if he gets that rest, then he can jump in and be more effective in helping me than if I expect him to push through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, human design, I'm into that. And my husband, I've got him into it a little bit and it's, it's helped us tremendously too. I'm an emotional manifesting generator. And so I have these, these waves of emotion and, um, and understanding that was key for for me to understand that like okay that's part of my design so i'm just going to um have to figure out how to live with this right. um and and that there you know it's going to come it's going to surge it's going to feel really intense and it's going to go away but also for my husband to understand that and to be able to understand that those those waves um and help us communicate better in that way and my child is the uh, same thing emotional um, manifesting generator. And so we both have that. And so he can sit back and like kind of watch those waves and not get entangled right. in them. And um, I do like the human design system. And on the surface level, just like the really basic information is is really help, helpful. Um, I know a lot of my listeners won't really know or understand human design, but I do love that you touched on that and bring that into your system because it is it is a helpful system. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and with the emotional wave, another thing that's really important because everybody in my house, except for my husband has emotional definition. So Mm -hmm. it's also understanding when I have my emotional wave for him not to take it personal. Mm -hmm. And now I just remind him, like, it's part of my emotional wave. Um, so yeah, it brings a different level of awareness that is really helpful in terms of understanding ourselves and understanding those that we're, um, engaging with. Yeah. So So let's go to your third pillar. That's home logistics. Home logistics. So the third pillar is where we now take a step back and look at it. The concept is like running the household like a business. So you step back Mm -hmm. with your partner and you're like, all right, so these are the things that we want. Now, how do we manage the household in a way that supports what each one of us wants in terms Mm -hmm. of our own desires and for our family. And here we have to start thinking about the very practical things, like what are the things that we manage on a Mm day-to-day? How do we um, assign those responsibilities in a way that makes sense? And how do we make sure that whoever's taking on that responsibility is taking on that responsibility from beginning to end? Mm -hmm. Um, I recognize, so 
not that long ago, my husband and I were getting ready to do a workout and we're sitting in the garage, we're warming up. And all of a sudden he looks at me and I'm in tears and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I, I just feel really overwhelmed. Right. Which part of it might've been my emotional wave, but also there was a lot of stressors going on. So he looks at me and he's like, you know, when he sees me crying, he's like, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And when he asked me that question, I realized that I didn't know how to answer it. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what I could delegate. I didn't know what I wanted to delegate. I didn't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So that allowed me to take a step back and really think about, okay, if I feel overwhelmed and he wants to help, what are the things that I can take off of my plate and give over to him so that he can manage it so that I can feel a little bit of relief, right? Mm -hmm. So the home logistics is really just about sitting back, looking at like, what are the things we can let go of? Because I think sometimes we take on a lot of things that we mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to take on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, what can we let go of? Yeah. What are the things that are absolutely necessary? How do we distribute the things that are absolutely necessary in a way that feels equitable? I don't think that mm-hmm. it's ever going to be um, the same, right? I, I think that yeah. if we sit there and we try to like do the tip for tat, like I want to make sure you have as many tasks as I do. It may not mm-hmm. look that way. And again, it may shift over time. But how can we create a space where we're doing it in a way where I'm not constantly resentful because I'm doing it all? Yeah. Right? My husband and I, um, we've had these conversations too where I'm like, I hate going to Costco. And he's like, oh, I'll go to Costco. Like he he doesn't mind. He doesn't love it as much, but he doesn't mind. Um, and, um, and we've had these conversations because something that would be really – hard on me, he might find that it's not a big deal or something that he absolutely hates doing. Um, he's the one that does most of the cooking. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I'll get into these moods where I get in a cooking storm and I cook and I cook and I cook and I cook. And then, um, and then I just don't for a while because it just, it feels really draining, but he yeah. finds joy in cooking and picking out the ingredients and he really loves it and it feeds him. So I'm like, great. You can kind of do the day-to-day stuff. We feed this really well. And then when I get in these moods, I can like crank out tons of food and it's coming from like wanting to do it. And if we get caught up on expectations or gender roles and believe that it has to be a certain way, imagine you're, if, if you believe that you were responsible for cooking meals every day, because that's just what you're My supposed role. to do, right? Mm-hmm. You're upset and annoyed and resentful because you have to do this thing every day that you don't want to do. And you're also robbing him of the experience of doing something that he actually enjoys doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense, but we do that all the time. All the time we will assign Mm -hmm. responsibilities to ourselves and or our partners that we don't like or enjoy just because we think it's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that is the whole part of home logistics. It's really just the, the, the planning and the managing of the households in a way that makes sense and is effective. It'll allow you to look at whether or not you need to bring in help from the outside, right? Because sometimes we need to look at that as well. Mm-hmm. Are there people or things or other systems that can support us in accomplishing what it is that we're trying to do? 
Um, and really just putting those parameters in place and having clear communication, right? Like it's like a business. Everybody knows what their role is. Everybody knows what they're mm-hmm. doing, what their responsibility is. I mean, yeah. um, so just being able to communicate that and do it in a way that makes sense is helpful. Yeah. And then so. what's the last pillar? So the last pillar is parenting. And the reason why I left this one for last is because I feel like if the other three pillars are very stable and grounded, then the parenting part is easy. Um, And I mean easy in terms of if mom's doing well, mom and partner are on the same page and and have already talked about their values and how they want to – raise the kids and have the family run and they've created support around the home logistics. So everybody's less stressed. There's like a fluidity that's happening and that's in place. Then when it comes to parenting, the one thing that we need to focus on is making sure that we're parenting the child that we have, Mm -hmm. which is another place where human design comes in a lot for me. Um, I've done, I've taught a lot of parenting courses. I've experienced a lot of parenting courses, both through, wanting to learn them myself for my own parenting and also just through my education. Mm -hmm. And my bone to pick with most of them is that they are very much a one size fits all. And what ends up happening is that mom or dad try to implement it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for whatever reason. And now they feel one of two things. Either they feel like they're failing as a parent and they just can't figure this thing out or They feel like their kids are broken and there's something wrong with them and they're not understanding Mm -hmm. why these things are not working for their child. Mm -hmm. It is probably the case that neither one of those statements are true. You can't use a one size fits all because we are all individuals. We all show up differently. We all have different needs. And so when it comes to parenting, I really want to help parents focus on seeing the child that is in front of them. And then you can pull from the Mm -hmm. toolbox of all these parenting skills that were taught through all these parenting courses. Then you can pull the ones that make sense. So I'm not saying that, that the techniques that were taught don't ever work. I just think we have to know which ones to pull so that they work for the child that we're parenting. My children are completely different. The way that I have to parent each one of my kids is entirely different. Mm -hmm. Different things bother them. Different things make them feel seen and heard and appreciated. Different things impact them. Just the fact that they're projectors and one's a projector and one's a generator. For my generator, when I ask them questions, I have to ask them yes or no questions. Mm -hmm. For my projector, when I ask her questions, I have to ask her open-ended questions, right? So just having just that one little thing is a game changer in how I interact with them. So just understanding those things allows me to parent them in a way that is more efficient. And it allows me to show up as a parent in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, this has been really cool. I I really appreciate your time. How do people find you? What are your offerings? What do you, uh, where can people connect with you? So they can visit my website. It's soulalignswellness.org. And on there, I have my various offers. So there are offers for human design. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do EMDR, which we didn't talk about that much today, but 
EMDR is a form of trauma therapy. And I do use it um, for individuals that I work with and also for moms, if there are any, you know, traumas that they've experienced through their life, any birthing traumas, anything that could be impacting or contributing to their ability to show up authentically or parents or, or, or just interact in a way that would be beneficial for them. Um, right now, my biggest offer is the Rise into Motherhood program, which is the workshop that I am launching in January. And I'm only bringing in 10 moms for the first cohort of the program. I will probably always keep it that small because it really is an intimate process of being able to contemplate and share. Mm -hmm. So I will be offering this twice a year. It's a four-month container where we'll really be going through this process, that first pillar of helping moms really identify like where they want to be, what they want to do so that then they can move through the other pillars. And there's also there's human design offerings, EMDR offerings, the rise into motherhood, and then the uh, thriving families coaching model is on there as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your knowledge and um, and your sharing today. Thank you. I'm really excited about this work. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkiyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.